You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here you swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome into the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler with you here in Claib's uh, show number two. Uh, the offseason's still going really slow so far, and I think uh, you know we'll find out a little bit more about that. We'll talk to John Moselock here in, oh, it looks like it's about 15 minutes from now. Uh, get some more thoughts on how the offseason is progressing. But let's just say things are not flying fast and furious these days. No, they're not. And let's go back to what you said earlier, show number two. <laughs> From the sounds of things and what you and I had talked about earlier uh, in our first show, I, I was never the belief we were going to start the season on time, and now I think it's come to light. So we may set the record for most consecutive shows of this nature countdown to opening day because we may be doing this a little while longer than we thought which is fine with me yeah yeah it's interesting we'll talk more about this as we go through the show uh but obviously the players association and the owners already starting to kind of bite at each other's heels in public there are a couple of ownership sources telling our buddy bob nightingale that um he doesn't they don't see how that this could start on time without guys having vaccines and then of course the players association saying hey Listen, the CBA says 162 games. We're coming to spring training on time. <laughs> so that's kind of where it sits. We'll bring that up with Bob Costas later on. He's going to join us next hour. So I'm sure uh, Bob will have some thoughts on on that relationship. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, Klaibs, I, and I'm look, I was looking back over the, you know, since last week's show, trying to think about and figure out right, which what, what's the biggest move that's happened here in the last week. And is the biggest move the Mets signing James McCann? Is that the biggest move here in the last yeah. week? Yeah, I would think so. Um, I think the the contract itself, the length, uh, the Mets uh, with a new front office, more or less. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think on most days in the spring, in, in the winter, that's probably not a big story. But I think because we don't have many deals to talk about, it is New York. And uh, the Mets are trying to address some things. I, I think the Mets feel like they can get in this thing in the Eastern Division. Uh, and I guess they looked and they said, hey, if Miami can do this, we yeah. can, even with new with a new general manager. So, yeah, it, it's a big deal. And they show up an area that they needed to, sh- to shore up. So uh, I, I think uh, normally at this time, Kevin, we would be talking about a, a lot more signings, but we just don't have them. Uh, the Cardinals made one this week, and I think that was more for camp protection. Uh, and it's going to be that way. Mo yeah. alluded to us. Uh, that you know that we're going to see this thing move back a month, and I think after what we've been hearing recently about the start of the season being later, probably even validates uh, his thoughts more. Yeah, you know, McCann gets four years and forty million dollars. He's thirty years old. Um, I find it interesting because he's he's not he's never played more than one hundred eighteen games. Now that's a lot for a catcher, but you know that doesn't mean that's how many he started. You know, he gets in his pinch hitters sometimes here and there. Mm-hmm. Just a, It's a weird contract in that he's had good numbers as a part-time player with the White Sox but was not a good hitter playing every day with Detroit. 
Um, but guys make swing changes. You know, he he may have made some changes, but he's he's a guy that doesn't have a long track record as a as a really good defensive catcher. He's basically kind of league average defensively. What I'm curious about, Claves, not necessarily from a contract standpoint, but from a marketplace standpoint, what this means for Yadi or Molina. I mean, we may remember a few weeks back, Yadi had mentioned in an interview in the Dominican that the Mets were one of the teams that had reached out to him. Well. That's a team that had been at least somewhat interested in his services that is no longer a threat to the Cardinals. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm not sure how many viable suitors are out there for Yachty. Uh, I was a little surprised that the Mets didn't try and make more of a concerted a- effort in going after Riamuto, uh, considering that he's he was in their division and they saw him enough. Right. Uh, I know that obviously the Yankees are looking, and maybe that's his final spot. Maybe it's the Yankees and they want to get into a bidding war. But, you know, McCann, like I said, most times would not garner this sort of interest because he, he, in my opinion, is just a guy. I mean, he doesn't do anything exceptionally well. I mean, obviously he catches, but you touched on some of his numbers. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things for Yachty. I don't know if there are as many suitors there as maybe we've been led to believe. And I still think the best suitor is the one he continues to wear the suit for. Yeah. And, and in that situation, we'll just have to see how it's going. But I think what happens, there's a sense of frustration, I think, that maybe this hasn't been done before now. Uh, there, there, There isn't a lot of movement in free agency. So we're all trying to push that rock up the hill a little harder because we, we want to have more discussion about baseball and have an idea of what the spring is going to look like. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And that's a that's a good point. We'll, we'll run that. Uh, by Mo, I mean we, Mo doesn't generally talk about specific negotiations, but we'll run that by him a, a little bit later I, on I'm here gonna, this hour. I'm gonna slip that one by him and just <laughs> see what he says. See if just, he can't get him. See if he can't get him. See yeah. if he can't get him to. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say it and then step away from the microphone and see <laughs> see how that works out. Well, I mean, you know, you know, he knows and we know that the question's going to be asked, and obviously he'll handle it yeah. however he plans on handling that. We'll talk to to Mo coming up in a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think that's an interesting point. And I wonder, Klaibs, if, if the salary there, too, on, on McCann, who, again, is not an established full-time everyday player in his career. Um, he's 30. Now, again, he's younger than Yachty. He's got some more offensive upside at this moment, right? You look at some of his batted ball data, and he hits the ball pretty hard. So, I mean, I can understand the four years. I can understand the salary. But I do think that kind of shows the general area where we're going to be for Yachty salary-wise. If it's not 10, it's going to be awfully close. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be a little north of ten. Yeah, uh, I, I think because it is Yachty, and what and I've said it a number of times. I think you give him a, a base north of ten, multiple options with regard to incentives that he can choose from to plug in to get him to a better number of maybe eighteen to twenty. And if you reach certain numbers, then maybe that's an automatic rollover into next year. Now, with that said. I would include the same incentives um, and maybe bump the base up just a hair, but there's no guarantee in the final year of his, of his career that he's going to play every day because I do have to make a transition at some point from who's going to be filling in those shoes in the following season. No doubt, no doubt. we got a lot to do here on the Countdown to Opening Day show as we move along. First, before we do any of that, I want to remind you, you can get all of your holiday shopping done at the official Cardinals Team Store, now featuring game-used and autographed collectibles from Cardinals Authentics. And as an added gift, when you spend $150 or more, you'll get an exclusive Elf-inspired bobblehead free while those supplies last. 
So you can visit cardinals.com slash team store for more information. All right, Claves, we'll take a short time out. When we come back, we'll be talking to the voice of the Cardinals, Mike Shannon will join us next here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. All right, back in on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amron, of course, right here on the Cardinals Radio Network. And always a great day when we get to talk a little baseball with the voice of the Cardinals, Mike Shannon. And first of all, Mike, thanks for jumping on and joining us. We hope you're well, and hopefully uh, as we get closer to 2021, we can all start to talk a little bit more about normal baseball. Well, as soon as the owners and the players get together, Kevin, uh, that's going to be <laughs> the big thing. Evidently, they can't get together on when they want to start the season. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Well, I mean, well, what a stupid thing, you know. By the time they start spring training, okay, you're going to have the COVID already with the the vaccine, okay. So, I mean, I don't know what the heck they're squabbling about, you know. Same old, same old. They squabble just to squabble. Hey, Mike, I wanted to uh, talk to you about a person we lost last week, a guy that you knew really well, uh, played in the Cardinals organization for a year, uh, Dick Allen, you played against him. You knew him as a as a as a guy off the field as well. Talk a little bit about him and just what kind of player he was. You know, Richie Allen was famous for his bat. You know, more than anything, and and his hitting. And he t- he turned that bat forty three ounces into three hundred sixty degrees. Okay, I mean he pointed it at the pitcher and then he swung it. Okay, so I mean he was one of a kind. There'll never be another Richie Allen, and I call him Richie Allen. And I think as a compliment, you know, that was his name in the beginning. And uh, I still call him Richie because uh, it's a, just a tribute to him as far as I'm concerned. I thought he was fantastic. When he was here, he was dynamite, you know. We had one rule, and that was to show up on time. And he didn't show up one day, and so we talked about it with him. And he said, okay, then I'll be here tomorrow on time. So plain and simple, you could talk to Richie Allen. He was that kind of a person, okay? He was a down-to-earth guy, plain and simple. But, boy, was he a great hitter. Wow. One of the strongest players you've ever seen? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Carlton was very, very strong, but Richie Allen was right there. And he was all natural. He, Richie Allen never did it as far as I'm concerned. He didn't do any weights or anything like that. He just was a natural strong person yeah it's been a you know it's been a terrible year in, in, in regards to losses like Richie Allen obviously we've talked about Lou and Gibby over time and you know even outside of St. Louis Whitey Ford and Al Kaline and Tom Seaver and Joe Morgan and you know these are these are guys that you can't tell the story of baseball without including all of these people well I don't think there's any doubt about it Kevin uh, I played against almost every one of them or with them uh, you know with Brock and Gibson you're concerned and uh I had the same respect for them that I had for Al Kaline and Whitey Ford and Tom Seaver. I can remember Tom Seaver throwing me a curveball and I get in the base hit. And I said, hey, Tom, what are you doing throwing that curveball? You know, you know, I can hit that curve. He said, I know. He said, but you won't get that when the game's on the line. You know, that's the kind of people that you played against, okay? They picked their spots. And they were just great competitors, plain and simple. And I was so proud to play against every one of those guys. Whitey Ford. You know, I had a tremendous home run off of him in, in the 64 World Series. And I remember a friend of mine lost some money on that game. He bet against <laughs> the Cardinals because he was from the Yankee organization. He said, you're not that good to hit a curveball. He said, you're not that good to hit a home run against Whitey Ford. I said, well, lefty, he hung a curveball. What do you want me to do? <laughs> but, 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 you know, 
those were great, great Hall of Famers. Okay, Tom Seaver. Uh, I was I was very surprised. The Al Kaline, and when I talked to him, we were playing Detroit, and he said that the one guy that accepted him when he came to the big leagues as a rookie, and he came right out of high school, and then no one helped him except Johnny Pesky. I was very surprised that Johnny Pesky was on that baseball team. You had Johnny Pesky as a manager when you were in the minors, didn't you? That is correct. With Seattle, and he was going to go to Boston next year as their manager, and he knew it, and he tried to get me to come up there. And I almost got traded to Boston. He wanted me to play center field there. And I, <laughs> when I saw the size of that center field, I said, I'm glad I didn't get traded. <laughs> I mean, but Johnny Pesky was a, he was a tremendous manager as far as I was concerned because he took a personal idea about people and uh, about players, okay? And, of course, he was, he was with the, the great, uh, you know, there was two, two guys as minor league coaches. You know, Johnny Pesky was the manager. Then he had Mace Brown. And, of course, the, the oldest living Hall of Famer until he died, and then Red Cheney took over. And, and uh, besides Mace Brown, they also had him. You know, you talk about these great players you had a chance to play against. Does it amaze you when they wanted to do something, they could do it any time they wanted to, whether it's throw a curveball in the right situation or hit a home run or drive in a run when it was needed? And, and I guess that's one of the reasons why they're Hall of Famers, because they could do it when well, they needed to. I don't think there's any doubt about that, Mike, and I'll give you a good example. I was a I was a player of the month in the month of July, I forget what year, 1966 or whatever. But uh, And then we went to Chicago, and I was hitting 400 for the month of July, and I faced a great Hall of Famer that was with the Cubs at that time. He was the great Philadelphia pitcher, and uh, he was a Hall of Famer. And I went up against him, and he, 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 I took an 0 for 4 against him, or 0 for 3, and I hit under 400. But, you know, I mean, I went up there and I had no chance. He made three perfect pitches the first time up, the three perfect pitches the second time up. And I said, well, hell, I'm going to have to swing at one of these perfect pitches. And so I did, and I went 0 for 4, 0 for 3. Didn't get a hit, and I hit under, I hit under 400 when I had a chance to hit 400 for the month. That's fantastic. Mike, I have one last thing for you. And you know, obviously uh, we're getting close to the end of 2020, building toward 2021. And a new Thank season goodness. always <laughs> – yeah, man, I'm right there with you. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing how every once we get the owners and players together, as you mentioned before, I'm looking forward to seeing how things come together on the field. I'm looking forward to the young guys and spring training, hopefully as normal as possible. Kevin, I'm all with you, and I'll tell you why. We've let this uh, panic uh, uh, COVID-19 rule us instead of us ruling it, okay? And I'm all for being normal. And uh, consequently... That's why I'm going to spring training. I'm going early, and I'm not going to let the players or the owners make up my mind. I'm going to go down <laughs> to spring training, and period, plain and simple. And I'm going to take it as a, a natural year, and it's going to start on time. If it doesn't start on time, then I'll be longer in spring training, plain and simple. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan to me. Might have to try something <laughs> like that myself. Mike, ha- have a great Christmas. Happy New Year. I know we'll talk soon, but thanks for doing this. It's always great talking ball with you. All right. God bless. And we'll see you guys in spring training. Always great to catch up with the voice of the Cardinals, Mike Shannon, uh, here on the Countdown to Opening Day show. Plenty of things to do coming up here in just a bit. Uh, we're going to be talking to John Mozeliak here in a few, Bob Costas next hour, so we got a lot of ground to cover. But first, I want to remind you guys that you can end 2020 
with a win. Give a gift subscription to Cardinals Magazine, the perfect baseball companion in season and out. You can order at cardinals.com slash magazine, or you can call 314-345-9000. Stick around. We're going to talk to Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mosellock, next. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. All right, welcome back into the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. Happy to be joined by the president of baseball operations, John Mosellock. First, Mo, thanks for doing this. We hope you're well. Uh, what, what's kind of the news? What's going on at Bush Stadium here as we get closer to the holidays? Well, it's been very quiet, actually. Um, you know, from a front office standpoint, we're still not opened. Uh, all of our employees are, are working remotely. We're trying to come up with a uh, 2021 strategy on, on what that looks like to, to reopen and um, get people back down here. But, um, you, you know, with that, we also have the baseball thing going on and trying to uh, look at how we want our club to look like and and navigating that with a lot of question marks in terms of, of the timing of everything this year and, um, you know, in terms of also the activity of, of the free agent market and trade market. So, you know, as we approach Christmas and uh, that Christmas break, uh, you know, I, I certainly think uh, we're going to see a little bit more activity in January than we probably have normally. But, you know, still a lot of baseball things to do before we get down to um, spring training. You touched on a couple of things. Let's, let's start off with timing. Because I know last week you shared some thoughts with the media locally that things would probably move further into January compared to the years past. But also the start of the season as we know it, because there's so many things that are in play with regard to the vaccine and when can fans come back? When would be a good time to start training camp? Do you want to move things away from a colder month in April? And along with that said, construction of your team. Do we have a definitive answer on whether the DH is going to be part of the National League? I mean, there's a lot of things that are still up in the air, aren't there? Yeah, the simple answer to those questions is no and no. But, um, you know, in terms of timing, I'm not overly concerned yet to to feel like like we have to have that figured out. Um, You know, I've got a lot of employees that keep asking me, like, hey, when am I going down? What am I supposed to do? What's my living situation? And I have tried to table all those discussions till January, so maybe we have a better idea of what that looks like. Um, in terms of, of the DH, you know, that is not something that has been determined at this point. And, you know, with regards to roster building and construction, sure, that would certainly be helpful to know um, before you got into camp. But I still think there's plenty of time to resolve some of those things. So I'm not overly concerned as we sit here today, but, um, you know, Clearly, having more clarity on this as, as we get into early January would be helpful. Mo, you mentioned the, the trade market. Is it similar to what it's been in the past, or has it evolved a little bit based on so many teams kind of managing payroll and trying to figure out you know things that moves that may be cost-neutral, things like that? Yeah, I'd argue that uh, the, the trading market almost looks like it's suppressed at the moment. And, and part of that is just because there's a lot of available free agents, and I think that the part you touched on of of people just not sure of what their payroll is has created a a little bit of a slog in terms of, of, you know, no one's really in a position to do much until they have some clarity on what revenues look like. And so I think that's part of of what I've been trying to say every time I, I am on your station in terms of, like, understanding patients, because 
you know, baseball's a funny game, right? Like, we can all react once we have deadlines and once we know things, but until we really have that, we, we, we tend to drag our feet at times. And, you know, the Cardinals have had a history of, of being fairly targeted in, in what we try to do in the off season. In other words, there's been times where we've come out of GM meetings in, in, in mid-November with deals ready to go, um, whether it's on the free agent market or even in the, in the trade market. And then, you know, over the past couple of years, staying relatively active through the winter meetings. But, you know, I mean, last year we signed KK officially after winter meetings, which would have been like this week. Mm-hmm. But as we learned this year, we didn't really have any of those meetings. We didn't have those get-togethers. And I think part of, of what you're seeing now is is people just are trying to be patient, get a sense of really what 2021 is going to look like. And then at that point, whenever I think people have more confidence in what that's going to look like, then you'll see things pick up. President of Baseball Operations for the St. Louis Cardinals, John Mozeliak, is our guest. And John, uh, rules, last year we had a few different changes with respect to rules, and obviously the, the, the shortened schedule and COVID's impact had a lot to do with that. What rules did you see last year that you kind of liked that you maybe would like to see roll into this year? And you sat on the rules committee, or you may still be on the rules committee. Do you see anything that might come out this year going into the final year of a collective bargaining agreement that might be on the table to be negotiated for the future? So I think the the thing that I liked the most was the extra inning rule. And it's sort of funny because there's a lot of people that, that hate it. They just, they just, they like the old version, but I will say from a selfish standpoint, like when you sit in the seat I'm in and you play a 16 or 17 inning game and the pitcher that actually went four innings and award for the team is the guy you have to option out is never a fun conversation. And, you know, really it, it's when you think about those types of games, you have less than 5,000 people sticking around. I just really felt like it brought a little of excitement and I, I felt like overall you didn't like beat up your club just to get out of the game. And, you know, a lot of people would say, well, why don't you just have tie games? And I kind of welcome that, too, if, if someone thought that was like uh, you could get some momentum around that. But, you know, candidly, I thought that was a, a helpful rule change. And I thought the, the seven-inning doubleheaders were helpful, too. Now, we played a unique schedule last year. And, and clearly, when you're thinking about that over the long haul, maybe that's not the best for the game. But certainly uh, thought they were like two welcome changes. Now, obviously, the DH was probably the hot, top, you know, hot button topic of all, and um, I didn't mind it. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because I do like the strategy of double switches in, in the National League game, but given the circumstances we were playing under last year, I did feel like it was helpful to have it, and you know, not having to run your pitchers up to hit, I just felt like you kept them in a safer environment that way. And in terms of what might happen... I think there's a lot of things that are on the table, but rather than try to get into those like from a public standpoint, I think I'll just sort of wait and see. And I would imagine, again, as we get into January, we'll get a sense of if there'll be any um, more significant rule changes moving forward. Now, you mentioned the, the difficulty and strangeness of the season. You know, your pitching staff really had a heck of a test in 2020. We talk a lot about depth, and it was tested, and it actually hung in there pretty well. So when you look ahead... 
uh, to looking at what you have available, whether it's rotation guys or guys that could maybe be a part of either the pen or the rotation? I'm assuming you guys are pretty good with where you are in your depth there? Yeah, I feel a lot of confidence going in. Um, you know, clearly, when you think about guys like Gomber and Ponce, you know, they, they definitely want a chance to start. And there were times last season where I think they really opened up some eyes and, and deserve that opportunity. Then you have players like John Gant, who mm-hmm. who have always been trying to get the opportunity to start. And I think, you know, based on the depth we've had in the past, he gets moved to the bullpen. But with some of the uncertainty right now as we you know, enter the holiday season with, with question marks with Adam Wainwright, obviously Dakota Hudson's going to miss the year, um, Carlos Martinez, um, struggled at times last year, but we are going to get Michaelis back. So, um, and we have Kim. So, you know, you can think about these names, and the good news is we're we're, we're naming a lot of names, but ultimately we're going to need five or six guys to to ultimately take those starts. And but we are excited about that depth. We 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 believe we have that covered. We think some of these guys can transition either to the rotation or the bullpen and feel good about that. And then when you also look at our our minor league side. When you have somebody like Thompson and Libertor coming, you feel pretty good about that as well. Mo, uh, the weekly question of Yachty and Wayno, uh, do you have a timetable on that? And as you mentioned, things will be moved into January a little bit more. What's your timetable like and how often do you have discussions with their representatives? Well, as you know, that's my least favorite topic to talk about free agents publicly, but for Camo X only, I'll say this. Um, I tend to have at least once a week where we connect. I would say both both parties understand that that there is some uncertainty right now, and and they know it's it's tough to to nail something down. So I think like everybody involved is trying to be patient about this, and um, hopefully that can continue through the holiday season. But you know. My phone rings, and so I'll still answer it. So it's not like um, we're, we're closed for business in the next couple of weeks, but it just, to me, seems like not a lot's going to happen with regard to the Cardinals at this point. Mo, uh, last thing for you, and this kind of ties in a lot of these things, but I want to uh, ask a quick question about the evaluation of players and how much it's seemingly changed. And I have a, you have messages all the time like, that pitcher had a terrible ERA. Why did he get ten or eleven million dollars? Can you can you kind of you know without giving up too much, but explain the balance between you know looking at traditional numbers, physical traits, and then kind of the the data that we now even have publicly available with exit velo and spin rates and things? Because it seems like it's just a little bit different way of prioritizing what you're looking for as opposed to just the statistics that you'd see in the newspaper back in the day. Yeah, so it's sort of interesting, right? Like, like, and, and none of these are, like, guaranteed for success, but there are some things that with high-speed cameras, the, the newer technology in, in, in terms of, like, TrackMan, that allow us to, to measure things that we could never have measured before. And so there, there is a, a school of thought that you can look at certain skills a, a pitcher may have, and that might be the ability to, for a spin rate to pitch up in the zone. And if that player were to do that and execute that, he'd have much more success than what he's currently doing. Now, it's no different than the old days, right? When you would hear a pitching coach talk to a pitcher and say, look, you've got to pound the bottom part of the strike zone. And if the player fails to execute regardless of high spin rate or low spin rate, up or down, 
you still don't have a lot of success. So I think the, the one thing for us is, and, and we look at all of these things, and we certainly try to, at the minor league level, make sure that if we identify a certain skill that a player may have, to optimize it. But it's still the ability for a player to make those adjustments. Because to your point, why is a guy with a, with a very high ERA getting a lot of money? And again, the, 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 the buyer assumes that these adjustments can be made and success will happen. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it relative to what you used to see on the back of a baseball card, those were not always like that predictive in terms of the type of player you have. And so really what you're seeing now in, in player evaluations is more predictive modeling. And you're trying to determine what someone's likely going to do in the future. And it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, even though what you've done in the past may indicate some things what you're going to do in the future. Definitely a fun balance. Mo, we always appreciate it when you got time for us. Uh, you enjoy the holidays, safe travels. Uh, you guys all stay healthy, and we'll look forward to catching up again in the new year. But thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Happy, healthy holidays, boys. And that's Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Moselock with us here on Countdown to Opening Day. A reminder that the Cardinals Gift Guide has you covered this holiday season. It's a one-stop online shop that features great gift ideas for everyone on your list, from gift cards to Cardinals publications, winter warm-up autographs to museum memberships, and so much more beyond that. There really is something for everyone by visiting cardinals.com slash gift guide today. All right, coming up next. We're going to hear a little bit about the Cincinnati Reds from their manager, David Bell, as we start to take a look at the National League Central Division here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. The 2021 Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up is going virtual this year. You can purchase a 50-50 raffle ticket or personalized autographed items right now by visiting cardinals.com slash WWU. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, part of what we do each offseason here on the Countdown is kind of you know prep you on what's happening with other teams uh, around na- the National League, but specifically other teams around the National League Central Division. And earlier this week, Reds manager David Bell spoke uh, via Zoom conference about kind of the comings and goings of his team, and so far, the team has moved on from a couple of big contributors from 2020. They moved on from their closer, Risa Iglesias. Uh, they moved on, at least it looks like they have, from starting pitcher Trevor Bauer. So here's David Bell on where his team is now and where they expect to be going into 2021. Choose to, to look at the guys that we, we do have. And really, we have the core of our team that, uh, you know, really we had a great experience last season. Guys coming together, the team coming together a lot of success that we can build on. Um, you know, there have been a, a few changes, like you mentioned, but uh, the core remains the same. And, and um, really, that's really where I spend most of my time thinking about who who we do have, the guys that are still here. And, and uh, like I said, just building on um, the success we had and the momentum we took into the end of last season. We have a chance today to visit with Richard Mark, the chairman and president of Ameren, Illinois. And Richard, considering how many people that are working from home and you have families at home as well, a lot of electricity is being used and a lot of power is being used and there are still ways to save. The best way to save energy is don't use it. And so not only reminding our children and ourselves to turn lights off, but 
in this day and age to turn our electronic appliances off, our electronic devices off. When you charge your cell phone and then you unplug it from your phone, if it's still plugged into a wall socket, uh, if it does not have some type of smart switch that you have it plugged into, that energy is still being used. So people don't realize all of the ways that they're still using energy. With the holidays right around the corner, give Munganass Alt and Toyota a call about renting a vehicle from their lot. You can give them a call at 618-208-2400 for more information and check them out at 850 Homer Adams Parkway in Alton, Illinois. Mike Claiborne here with Ryan Kelly and Ryan buying a home is a really big deal. Give me some advice for those folks who are looking to buy a home. Get pre-approved and get pre-approved early in the process. In fact, if you're even considering buying a home, get pre-approved today at thehomeloanexpert.com. The competition in this division, competition, I think teams are pretty evenly matched. Obviously, the Cubs um, won the division last year, and, and um, you know, going into it, I'm, I'm sure they may be looked at as the favorite, and understandably so. But you know, you look at all the teams in this division, and and um, it's always so competitive. So it's really tough to say. You know, I, I focus kind of on our team, and like I mentioned, I know that we've made a couple changes, but it's certainly the goal is not to take a step back. It's to take a step forward. It may look a little bit different, but, uh, you know, the core group that we have is, is really excited to, to get back at it and build on the momentum we had and, um, you know, hopefully challenge, uh, you know, for the division title and, and a really tough, fun, competitive division. Hey, David, what do you see for Joey Votto at this stage of his career? Joey last year, <laughs> made an unbelievable adjustment you know, he got off to a slow start kind of the way we did as a team. And I, and I believe our, uh, I believe we had maybe the third or fourth best record in the game from somewhere around April or August 25th through the end of the year, right around that same time, Joey um, worked hard just like he always does and, and really made a, a solid adjustment where, you know, he became more aggressive. He was a little bit more um, on a, the attack, um, you know, maybe a little more upright. I, I don't know exactly all the adjustments he made, but it certainly was a different look. And Joey finished really strong. And he was a big part of our team's success um, while we were playing well um, for several weeks there. So, you know, I really believe he can take that in to next season. There, there's no reason why, you know, at his age, the way he takes care of himself, um, you know, that he won't be able to take that adjustment he made and, and have another solid season and really take that into next year. I know he's very energized um, by our team, by the group of players that we have, by the success we had to get to the playoffs last year. And that's a real driving, motivating factor for him. So, um, you know, I expect Joey to be a big part of our team and, and carry um, what, he, what he picked up last year and carry that into next season. Hey, David, uh, I think if you ask the Reds fan base, uh, the number one priority for them would probably be somehow bringing Trevor back. Um, so I'm just curious for you, how, how much of a priority is that for you in the front office to compete and get him back? And how much do you, of an advantage do you feel like you have in that just because of him liking his time here and having success winning the Cy Young and all that? I do know Trevor enjoyed his time here. You know, I've, I've heard him say that publicly. We've talked about it. 
um, it was very evident being around Trevor that he was happy and comfortable and um, loved his teammates. And, um, and, you know, on the other side of that, we really enjoyed having him around. Um, it was a pleasure watching him compete um, the way he did, you know, and, you know, led to a Cy Young, but just being able to do what he did was so important for our team, but also in the clubhouse, you know, getting to know Trevor as a person, um, extremely thoughtful, great listener, great teammate, enjoyable conversations. And, uh, you know, I think we have all learned a lot um, from being around Trevor. So he's worked really hard to earn this opportunity to become a free agent. Um, and I, I think we just have to let it play out. You know, it's something that, that all players work really hard to, to get to and, um, we'll see what happens, but at this point, we just have to let it play out. And again, that was Reds manager David Bell speaking via Zoom press conference earlier this week. Stick around. Coming up next, we're going to give away a 2021 Cardinals calendar, so stay with us. That's next up here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. here for the holidays with 12 months of epic Cardinals moments worth celebrating all year long. Now you can pick up a copy for yourself at your area grocery stores and also retailers in the area. You can also call 314-345-9000. Now if you want to take your chances on getting a freebie, we're going to give one away right now to one lucky listener here on the Countdown to Opening Day show. So our first caller that gets in at 314-531-1120, that's 314 314- 531-1120, first caller will get a free copy of the 2021 Cardinals official calendar. And, of course, that'll take you through the whole new year, uh, keeping track of all things Cardinals. And remember, this is about celebrations this year and the pictures. The vid- it's just fantastic looking. You guys definitely want to check it out. So if you don't win, you can obviously call and order your own or pick it up at an area retailer. If you do win, congratulations. All right, stick around. we got a lot more to do, another hour to go, and we'll be talking to Bob Costas in a little bit. We're going to hear from Cubs manager David Ross. So stick with us. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here to swing a long fly ball into left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Kevin Wheeler and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. All right, hour number two here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne uh, and Kevin Wheeler with you here. Claves is a great first hour. Got a chance to catch up with Mike Shannon and John Mosellock. And, of course, this hour we get to catch up with our friend Bob Costas in just a little bit. I think I – think, uh, I think we have some stuff to get into with Bob Claves. I think we uh, just we have, a little, just a little. Yeah. We got more uh, more tension brewing. It looks like between Major League Baseball and the owners and the Major League Baseball Players Association. And I know I know Mike Shannon talked a bit about it. His frustration is probably about the same as yours and mine. Just amazing that this stuff becomes as difficult as it seems that it is. You're right, Kevin. And, you know, we, we saw things get a little salty once COVID broke out and they couldn't decide on how many games they were going to play and the bubble issue came up. 
And I, I thought that was like the first shot across the bow with regard to how difficult the, the labor negotiations are going to be leading into 22, the 22 season. And we, we're seeing remnants of it. Last week, we talked about the DH and why are we at the middle of the month of December and we don't know whether the designated hitter is going to be part of the National League or not. Mm. Uh, there's so many things that go into that. And I think there are going to be some other things that will come down the pike as well. So it's going to turn into a PR campaign. And you'll see the players be proactive and try and get their state out and get their point out. And the owners will have the ability to fall back on saying, hey, you know, we lost a lot of money. And they did lose money. I don't think there's any – when you don't have people in the stands – yeah. That means you don't have as much money coming in. That That's simple math. That's even math I understand. <laughs> but I, I think the big issue is the owners or the players are going to question, well, how much did you really lose? And, oh, by the way, we took a haircut, too. You have the issue of arbitration. Uh, we, we haven't been able to find out what the actual numbers are going to be for arbitration. Uh, so there are a few things on the table that they need to address now instead of having an 11th hour meeting and keeping the rest of baseball in the country on edge because there are too many other jobs at stake here for them to have a lockout or some sort of job action. And for a lot of those people who already lost their jobs, they don't want to go through that again. Right, right. And to, to let people in on the uh, what's gone on here the last couple of days, just to lay it out, and again, we'll get into some more of this with, with Bob Costas later on this hour, but um, there is a story this week from Bob Nightingale, our friend from USA Today, with a couple of anonymous ownership owners, I should say, not ownership sources, owners, saying that they don't see how any of this could start on time uh, without without the players being vaccinated. Uh, they won't be able to start spring training on time. They don't see a full season. And then the Players Association response was, yeah, we're ready for spring training as scheduled. We are prepared for a 162-game season. And oh, by the way, according to the collective bargaining agreement, you can't change the length of the season without our approval. <laughs> So that's basically what happened here okay, this week. Okay, then. Yeah, so, and, it, and that is true, right? Like Major League Baseball cannot unilaterally change any of that without an agreement from the Players Association to do it. And here's the thing that's interesting to me, Claves. And I'm not saying that this is easy because baseball is really hard because baseball's every day, right? So you get into April and a team misses a week. That's six or seven games. That's not one football game. That's not two basketball games. That's, a, that's seven games that now have to be put somewhere else. So baseball has challenges, but it's an odd argument to me to, for, to hear from owners in Major League Baseball, two particular owners, not all of them, of course, just the two that spoke to, to Bob Nightingale, that the NFL, college football, college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL are all going to be playing throughout the winter. But by April, baseball's yeah. not going to be able to play. That seems like a really tough argument to make. Yeah, but I, I understand not playing in April. Uh, I think you have to contend with, with the weather, which I've always complained about. Uh, <laughs> you won't have as many fans in the ballpark. Uh, you won't have kids there as much as you'd like to have them. But you know what? If, if you want 162, well, say hello to our seven-inning doubleheaders that we'll play once a week. Yeah, We, we know the seven-inning doubleheader works. Um and you might see that on a weekly basis. You may have a game or on a, maybe a, a Friday or a Saturday. Uh, you don't want to have it on a getaway day. So maybe you have it on a Saturday. You have a, a day-night doubleheader. So you make it up, and, and that picks up some of the games you would have lost. But if you do it through the course of the season, you should be caught up. So, I mean, that's just – I'm just throwing it on the table. I, I, I wouldn't suggest it. Yeah. Well, I am suggesting it. If you want 162 <laughs> and you want to play it within a reasonable calendar time, that might be an option. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll we're going to bring this up and a whole lot more, too, by the way. Some regular baseball conversation, too, with Bob Costas a little bit later on this hour. want to remind everybody, the Cardinals Gift Guide's got you covered for this holiday season. The one-stop online shop features great <coughs> gift ideas for everybody on your list, from gift cards to Cardinals publications, winter warm-up autographs to museum memberships, and a lot more than that, too. There's something for everybody. You can visit cardinals.com slash gift guide to find out more and check it out today. Coming up next, we're going to hear a little bit about uh, the Chicago Cubs. Claves and I will talk a bit about what's buzzing about the division rival, uh, and we'll hear a little bit from their manager, David Ross. That'll be coming up next. It's the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. Give a gift subscription to Cardinals Magazine, the perfect baseball companion in season and out. You can order at cardinals.com slash magazine, or you can call 314-345-9000. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. And one of the things we do, we mentioned this last hour when uh, we played a little bit of audio from Reds manager David Bell, is we spent some time during the countdown kind of previewing and looking at other teams around Major League Baseball. But our specific focus tends to be on the National League. And even more specific, we tend to focus on the National League Central Division. Now this week, kind of in the absence of what would have normally been a time where managers gather at the winter meetings and have some media availability, uh, this week, now that the winter meetings are over, Major League Baseball has decided that the managers would get their opportunity to host Zooms and, and, of course, give us a little bit on what's going on with their team, what they're expecting heading into 2021. So last hour, we had you hear from Reds manager David Bell. This hour, we're going to get you a little bit of update on the Cubs with their manager, David Ross. You know, I try to operate as much as the rumors go around, and I think we've been dealing this with this with Chris for a while. Um, I try to operate with the assumption of, like, that 40-man roster is, is the group I'm starting spring training with. So when I, you know, pull up Ivy – um, all their pictures are staring me right in the face. And it's kind of, um, it's kind of nice to see all those guys that are there. And I anticipate them being there when we start now. I don't, um, you know, Jed's doing his thing as far as how the, the roster is constructed, but, um, I always work under that assumption until things change. How would you look at the leadoff spot? Do you think Ian did enough in your eyes this year to, to kind of go into next year, starting in that spot and see where it goes from there? Yeah, I think Ian's earned that right for now, unless there's, um, you know, an acquisition that um, we make uh, that would, would change anything where you get a true proven leadoff hitter. But um, I like Happer in a lot of spots. You know, I, I don't think the lineup construction is really what I've laid out much this offseason, you know, kind of dealing with some of the just overall offensive things that we're trying to get better at. But um you know, I have a lot of faith in Ian in a lot of areas. I thought he did a phenomenal job at the bottom of the order uh, when he was trying to get on on base at, at, in front of Chris. Uh, and then we moved him up a little bit there. That 6-7 hole dro- drove in a ton of runs and really was a threat. And, and, and for, you know, with guys on base there on the back end and good at bats and still taking his walks. Uh, and then, you know, I thought he did a pretty good job there at the, the top and, and setting the tone when Chris uh, was out for a while. And so... Um, I'm sure he wants to be in a spot where he's more comfortable. I've talked to him multiple times uh, or a regular spot. I should say I've talked to him multiple times on um, just where he likes to hit. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem to face him either way. So um, yeah, I think he's going to be good with whatever, but as it would lay out right now, he would be, be the guy I'd probably slot in that spot. Even though the roster isn't set, are you able at least 
uh, have some principles about what you want to do, especially with uh, the, the hitting uh, department and the addition of Chris Valeka? Yeah, yeah, I got some new coaches. Uh, Val's going to be a big piece for us. He's got some relationships already, obviously, in the organization and dealt with these guys for a long time. Um, I think the main, you know, we, we've pointed out the concerns and where um, we want to kind of clean up some areas, whether it's, you know, commanding the strike zone and, um, you know, putting the ball in play a little bit more, um, being on the attack. But I, I think I think that stuff comes with, the evolution of a season, right? That just with the spread of 60 games, um, I don't try to put too much stock in things that aren't consistent over the last couple of years. So these guys got really good resumes and um, a lot of them had, you know, down years. So I think the main focus is clean up some of the areas where we can feel like we can improve is going to help us win and then still let it play out with uh, the group of guys we have because we have a really talented team uh, as it stands. You have to obviously look at your starting rotation and free agency out there and not knowing who's going to be in your rotation. Are you uh, talking to Jed a lot about where you want to fill those needs? We've talked about pitching depth and needing to have, um, you know, especially after a 60-game season and guys not being built up. Uh, we understand that if we're planning for 162 as it is right now, we're going to have to have some pitching depth and and, and a lot of it. And I think that's kind of the, the narrative around the league is, is what, you know, guys are going to try to get – as much depth as possible because of the lack of, of innings that guys were able to, to build up to. And usually these guys get, get their 200 or, or 180 uh, in and can have some break. And then, and, and not just, you know, I think what Kyle got to 80 something innings this year and, and some in spring. So um, yeah, we, we understand we're going to need some, some pitching, but I think it's a, you know, it's a process. I think it's still early. And um, I know, Jed's working diligently and on air, all areas uh, of the team. And uh, so I just, yeah, we have conversations about the needs and, and, and the holes to fill, but uh, no, no specific people as of now. And overall with the offense, I mean, do you think there needs to be, you've talked about how you want to see them do some things better, maybe uh, decision-making wise, whatever it may be, but do you think there needs to be a change in personnel to really pull that off? You know, that's hard to, to comment off of six, 60 games, right? But I definitely believe there's better ways that we can train. And that's what I'm, that's where my focus is, like how to um, train to get better in the areas where we. And again, that's Cubs manager David Ross looking ahead to 2021 here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show. Stick around. We got some great baseball conversation, I promise you, coming up next. It's Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler, and Bob Costas coming your way on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler with you here. And very happy anytime we get a chance to talk baseball with Bob Costas. It's a thrill to do it. Bob, thank you for doing this. Hope everything's going well for you here as we get near the new year. And I know we're all counting down to that. Yeah, we sure are. I guess it's only human nature to think that when it's January 1st, 2021 <laughs> – all the horrors and travails of 2020 are behind us. That's the way the mind works when the calendar flips. I don't know if it will actually work that way in reality, but it's a milestone. Yeah, let's put 2020 in the rearview mirror. Well, I look at it this way, Bob. I don't think it can be any worse, but then again, be careful for what you think you're yeah. wishing for. So <laughs> we have to be careful there. Hey, there, there's so much to talk about. And let's start off off the field with regard to baseball. The owners and players have started to rattle the Sabres just a bit, uh, working their way into the final year of a collective bargaining agreement. Give me your opinion on where we stand today and what you think is going to take 
to get something resolved because no one seems to feel like the season is going to start on time and the owners feel like everybody needs to be vaccinated. The players have already said we need to be playing 162. Just another bargaining chip, you think, as far as them trying to get something on paper before the end of the year? Yeah, a lot of it is, you know, in a negotiation, you start out in one place, you're willing to wind up in another. COVID is going to dictate a lot of it, and the public has no appetite at all for this sort of Indonesian squabbling when the world is under all kinds of pressures. So they better understand, as they didn't when they were looking to start this past summer on July 4th and they squabbled and couldn't get that together, they didn't seem to understand that what's bad for the image of the game and the business overall is bad for all parties. They need to see their mutual interests. I wouldn't want to be in Tony Clark's shoes for this reason. Marvin Miller set a certain tone. It was an unyielding tone. And they weren't just right in terms of their strategy. They were right morally for decades and decades. Don Fiorentino has picked up on that. But then it eventually got to a point where I think the Players Association couldn't see that this was a business deal. It wasn't a holy war. It didn't have to be a holy war. Allowing something, conceding something, was not the same thing as surrendering. That's what a negotiation is. Um, Michael Weiner, I think, saw that, but tragically, he died only a year or two into his tenure. Now you're Tony Clark. This is your first big roll-up-your-sleeves negotiation. You can't look weak. On the other hand, you've inherited, Kevin and Mike, you both realize this, he's inherited an entirely different landscape. And yeah. fair-minded people will not grade him against some impossible standard set under entirely different conditions decades ago. If he can see it that way and convince his constituency of that, then I think there's a chance. Plus, there's a lot of things on the table, uh, whether we agree with all of them or not, they are things that ownership can offer the players. They can offer them expanded playoffs. They can offer them possibly a salary floor that will keep teams from tanking to some extent. Also, mm -hmm. the more playoff spots, the less chance that there will be tanking. They could offer them a set minimum amount of baseball's overall audited revenues. Um, but there has to be an understanding that not because the owners are hiding anything or penny pinching, those revenues are going to go down. Even if COVID disappears tomorrow, it's yeah. going to be a while before the business bounces all the way back. You know, I think everybody, and I know, you know, everybody that follows it as closely as we do, knows that these negotiations have to happen. Uh, they've happened in the NFL. They've happened in the NHL. They've happened in the NBA. I think the biggest difference is that it seems to happen too much publicly. I didn't hear as much um, on the NFL side publicly or the NHL side publicly. And I think, you know, having those discussions is great. We shouldn't be having them on Twitter or in the newspapers, though. Right, absolutely. And the history of this is so scarred and people have little patience for it. One thing you have to say, though, is that since the disastrous 94-95 work stoppage, they've been able to get through whatever was out there. They've been able to get through without a work stoppage ever since then. And that's a good record. And it's part of what contributed. There were a lot of other factors, but it's part of what contributed to baseball's um, to baseball more than doubling its revenues in that yeah. period of time, way more than doubling its revenues, which obviously is good for everybody. 
Hey, Bob, you know, we, we talk about the owners and players, and they've been the Hatfield and the McCoys for, for some time. And do you think they ever look around at some of the other sports, whether it's the NBA or the National Hockey League, who decided, you know what, we might need to be into a partnership compared to the adversary relationship that we now see in baseball? Is there someone with logic that can get these people in a room and say, hey, fellas, this isn't working the way it should be? And if you look at the money that those other sports are making, they're they're exceeding the expectations of anything baseball players would even imagine, even though players are making more money than they've ever made. There's even more to be made if they went into a partnership. Yeah, that's the enlightened view, but there's institutional memory. Mm-hmm. All of the important battles have been won by the players, as by and large they should have been. But for a long time, I can even recall this, 15, 20 years ago, you heard players parroting the same sort of mantras that applied previously but didn't apply anymore. Um, Viewing any concessions or any initiatives by the owners as an attempt to roll things back to the pre-free agency days when players were uh, were treated like chattel. No one's looking at that. The, The question is how can they come up with, as you said, Mike, an enlightened partnership. Uh, You know, the other leagues have some version of a salary cap. I haven't seen a single NBA player standing on a street corner holding a tin cup. It seems to work out well for everybody. Yeah, it's fascinating. And, you know, I actually read last year, I don't remember who, and I feel terrible about it because it was one one of the major national baseball writers, but he actually made the point that, heck, ownership may not even want revenue sharing right now because they keep more of the revenue percentage-wise than, say, the, in the, they do in the NBA. And I think it's interesting to try to just bridge some gaps. You know, I mean, I think these are all businessmen, especially on the ownership side. They make deals on a regular basis. And, of course, as you pointed out, Bob, they have been getting these deals done despite all of the public arguing and yeah. stuff that we all get into. Yeah, look, there's all these things on the table. It's just a question of how we arrange them. Mm-hmm. What do you want? What do we want? What can we arrive at? Where can we meet? Not necessarily in the middle. We'll concede this. You'll concede that. This is a business deal now. It is no longer uh, a battle of morality and right and wrong. It really was uh, in the early days of Marvin Miller. And there was reason for the players to always be suspicious of the owners because the owners for a long time foolishly entered each subsequent negotiation trying to win back what they had lost before, instead of having a forward-looking view of the game and the business. But I think most of them, if not all of them, have that in their rearview mirror. Rob Manfred essentially is a labor negotiator. That should be his greatest strength. They should be able to see this as what it is, a business negotiation. And even with the, the hit they took from COVID, there will be, down the road, a whole lot of money to be made. And the only question is how to equitably divide it. Bob Costas is our guest here on Countdown to Opening Day. And, Bob, let's go to the field for a bit. Uh, Small sample size it might have been, but what did you like about some of the rules from last year and what would you like to see stay? And I'm sure there's something you'd like to see go away forever. I didn't mind. I thought I would. I didn't mind uh, relievers having to face a minimum of three hitters unless they closed out the inning. Um, I, I wasn't apoplectic about seven-inning doubleheaders, but that was a COVID circumstance. Right. And remember, there's nobody in the stands. No, one, no teams play straight doubleheaders anymore the way they used to when we were kids. One admission, two games. They're all 
separate single admission double headers. So now, are you going to pay a full ticket price for a seven inning game? Mm-hmm. So I don't know that that works when there are fans in the stands. Um, I'm sort of ambivalent about putting a runner on second base in extra innings. If they're going to do it, I would wait till the 11th or 12th, at least play an inning or two under straight rules, and then maybe try to get it over with uh, when you get to the 12th inning or something like that. Uh, Maybe I'm old-fashioned in this respect, but some of the true marathon games become part of baseball lore. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're quirky, they're amusing. Uh, You talk about them after the fact in a way that people are not going to talk about. We put a man on second base in the 10th inning, and he scored on a bloop single, and that was that. Uh, And thankfully, baseball didn't have that rule even in this postseason, and they don't intend to have that rule going forward. Last thing we have for you, Bob, and the current situation that the Cardinals face with guys like Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright in free agency, but I know our listeners uh, here on the Cardinals Radio Network certainly waiting for news on that. From your perspective, and we're talking history here you know, and and long-term impact, they're always going to be great Cardinals. Um, How much does it mean in your mind? How much do you think it means to fans if those guys can finish in the same uniform that they've always played in? I think it means a lot, but not everything. Willie McGee is a Cardinal, even though he went away and, and played uh, for other teams or team. I can't remember if he played for someone besides Oakland. but um, And then he came back, I guess, after that. Uh, when someone's essentially a Cardinal, Ted Simmons is essentially a Cardinal. Um, that's the way it is. You saw the reception that Albert Pujols got mm-hmm. when he came back for an interleague game uh, as, as an angel and he'll eventually wear that red jacket. So no matter where they conclude their careers, the same will be true of Adam and Yachty. But they should be lifelong Cardinals. The Cardinals are an organization that has an appreciation of its history and its connection to the community. Uh, I don't think it's irrelevant that two of the last three Roberto Clemente Awards were won by Yachty Molina and Adam Wainwright. Mm -hmm. And by the way, in the history of the Clemente Award, six times a cardinal has won it more than any other team i think that's one indication of the kind of community connection and what baseball means in st louis and so it just wouldn't seem right to see either one of them in another team's uniform but eventually it wouldn't matter it wouldn't matter they'll always be in the mind's eye they'll always be cardinals uh the question is for players like that how long of a deal can they command What if the Atlanta Braves, who seem willing to go the extra mile to improve a team that's on the cusp of getting to the World Series, and Adam started his career in the minor leagues as an Atlanta Brave farmhand, and he lives in Atlanta, they're a contending team, obviously. What if they wanted to give him two years, or even three, with an option or something, and the Cardinals weren't willing to go that far? You can't blame Adam if he decides to do that. Right. You know, I don't think there'd ever be any rancor or hard feelings toward either one of them. They've both been too good and too admirable, but they'll always be welcome back. 100% agree. Well said, as, as of course, everything is when we get a chance to talk to you, Bob. Thank you so much for doing this. Enjoy the holidays. Uh, again, fingers crossed for a happier New Year, one that's a little bit yeah. easier for all of us, and we wish you the best. Thank you for doing this. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Mike. Happy virtual holiday. All right, Bob. (laughs) Stay to you and stay safe, my friend. Okay, take care. Bye. Always great talking baseball with the great Bob Costas. Of course, you catch him 
on MLB Network regularly throughout the hot stove season here, the off season in Major League Baseball. All right, you can shop from home for authentic caps, tees, jerseys, hoodies, and a whole lot more. And you can give the gift of baseball to every fan on your list at the official source. That's MLBShop.com. All right, coming up next, we're going to tell you a little bit about how the winter warm-up is going virtual this year and how many different ways you'll have to grab some cool autographs, maybe get in on a 50-50 raffle, and also perhaps get yourself in on a new virtual experience for fans as a part of the winter warm-up this offseason. We'll talk to Michael Hall of the Cardinals next up. It's the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. All right, back into the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And Claibs, happy to have Michael Hall with us. He is the Vice President of Cardinals Care and Community Relations for the Cardinals. And, of course, uh, we got a lot of interesting things to get into here because one of the biggest events of every offseason, the winter warm-up, is changing a little bit. And obviously, Michael, we're happy to have you on to talk a bit about that. Hope everything's going well, man. How's how's the end of the year treating you? You doing all right? I'm doing good. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Glad to, glad to talk with you guys. Well, Michael, the, the winter warm-up, a, a tradition for Cardinal fans and Cardinal Nation, going to be a little different this year because of covid uh, a virtual winter warm-up. And I know for some people, they're going to ask you well, what, what's going to be the biggest difference. So I figured, why not, not Why ask me? I'll ask you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, this year we are going virtual, obviously with everything that's going on in the world. Um, and, and the biggest change is the interaction with the players is, is not going to be live. You know, we're all uh, obviously used to the in-person event. But uh, we recognize that the player interaction is the biggest draw for the winter warm-up. And uh, we were able to still reach out to our players and, and try to create some virtual experiences that fans would be able to participate in and the players would be able to participate in and still try to find ways to raise money for the foundation as that's what the winter warm-up is, is, our, is the Cardinals Care's largest fundraiser. And the things that are going on right now, Michael, you got the 50-50 rally that's happening now. Um, we've got some autographed items and personalized items that are up there now. People can go to cardinals.com slash WWU. So if they want to jump in now and maybe do a little something quick before Christmas, I think this is the time to do it. Yeah, Kevin, and, and thanks for bringing those up. You know, the way the winter warm-up is going to lay out uh, going into 2021 is obviously a little different than normal. We we launched with the 50-50 raffle on Black Friday, uh, which is traditionally the day that admission tickets go on sale for the winter warm-up. But the 50-50 this year, we, we launched on that Black Friday. Uh, we guaranteed a minimum pot of $10,000, so one lucky fan is going to win a minimum of $5,000. It's going to go through the traditional end of winter warm-up, which this year will be the Monday of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is January the 18th. It'll close at 3 o'clock. And there's really four different price points that fans are able to purchase tickets. Uh, we did add a unique price point. It's a $75 price point. You get 250 raffle numbers, but you also get a authenticated autographed photo mailed to you while supplies last. So that was one of the things that we added as well as uh, some early bird entry prizes uh, for the winter warm-up. And, in fact, one of our prizes ends this Friday morning at uh, 9 a.m. Uh, you have a chance to win a $250 gift card. So it was just a way to get things started. We wanted to keep the tradition of having something go on sale on Black Friday that is winter warm-up related 
and this will continue through through the event itself. So that's that's going on right now. Like you mentioned, you can get more information at cardinals.com slash WWU. Michael, um, obviously there are a lot of other things that go on within the warm-up where you have the, the roundtable sessions and things of that nature. A lot of those things that fans have been looking forward to will still continue. We'll just do it virtually. Uh, but for you and your crew, this is a maiden voyage. I mean, no one's ever tried to do something of this size before. What have you found to be some of the bigger challenges? And also, what are some of the things you try to add that, you know, we're going to see if it sticks to the wall or not. It may become something that we do permanently. The biggest challenge, I think, for everyone in the organization, because the warm-up isn't just me and my team that put it together. It's it's the entire organization has a part in this. And the biggest challenge is what you said. There's There's no template. We've never done this before. We can't we can't look at our notes from the last pandemic and, and make adjustments. You know, we're we're trying to do this as as thoughtfully uh, as we possibly can with regards to keeping everyone safe as well as providing content for the fans. And so, you know, what we have coming up on winter warm up weekend, we wanted to keep that traditional weekend and have events on that Saturday, Sunday, Monday of Martin Luther King weekend, we've created some Cardinal virtual experiences that will not actually go on sale until after the first of the year, but we will start putting the information up here in the next couple of days. So fans can, can take a look, but essentially what we've done is we've created virtual experiences where fans will have the opportunity to see the players in a different setting. Um, in these virtual settings, you know, they may be at home or somewhere. They're not going to be at the ball field and they're not going to be at a, at a hotel where the warm up normally is. It's going to be a, a different type of setting. And each one of the virtual experiences has a different theme. And what we wanted to do is, is try to inc- incorporate the traditional baseball talk. But we also wanted to incorporate some different things to show different sides of our players uh, and different experiences. Uh, for for all fans. And the one thing that this event may give us an opportunity to do is some sort of virtual content in the future, because what it does is it opens up our content, our baseball, Cardinals baseball, to literally everyone across the country and across the world that is interested because it's online. So um, it, it's not limited to people who are able to actually make an, an in-person event. So maybe some of this sticks, as you mentioned, and, and we can we can do some similar things in the future. Michael, we'll close on this um, because you know there, we we know this is all what's happening. And again, Cardinals.com/slash/wwu for everything that's happening now, like the fifty-fifty and the autographs that are available, and the stuff that's upcoming, like the silent auctions, like those experiences you're talking about, but. Also want to ask about the why. I mean, this is for Cardinals Care. You guys do a lot of work for kids in the St. Louis community, Redbird rookies, a whole lot of great programs really benefit from all of this. Yeah, this, um, as I, I mentioned earlier, uh, winter warm-up is a, is a tradition for us as the organization, and we hope that the, our, our, our fans see it as a tradition as well. It, it is, uh, it's our fundraiser. It, it literally kicks the season off for Cardinals care and kind of for the Cardinals under a normal uh, circumstances, uh, you know, spring training, not very long after winter warmup ends. And so it really gets everything started for us. And, and we wanted to continue that. It's important for us to, 
try to raise money um, for the kids that we support in the community. But it's also we feel important to to engage our fans and and uh, provide some content similar to what we've been able to do uh, in the past. And and this year, with I, I really am looking forward to uh, the response to the virtual experiences. You know, I, I think fans are really going to like them. We're actually going to kick off. I'll tease a little bit on uh, the Friday leading into warm-up, that Friday evening, uh, we're putting together a 2011 World Series reunion. Nice. And um, some interaction with some of the players from from that team. And we've already have some commitments. Uh, David Freeze, Lance Berkman, uh, Jason Mott, uh, Kyle McClellan uh, have all agreed. Uh, Alan Craig just recently confirmed. So we're, we're gathering more guys as we're working through it. But uh, we're looking at, at kind of kicking off winter warm-up weekend, beginning that Friday evening with this with this uh, virtual experience, and, and there'll be several others throughout the weekend. Just encourage fans to go to cardinals.com slash WWU to look for those opportunities, look for those descriptions, and again, they'll be available uh, to sign up uh, after the new year. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. You have a great Christmas and a happy new year. I know we'll be talking soon, but thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Happy holidays, guys. Look forward to seeing you soon. There you go. That's Cardinals Vice President of Cardinals Care and Community Relations with the Cardinals. That's Michael Hall with us here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Ameren. Stick around. When we return, we're going to be giving away the 2021 calendar as we wrap up tonight's show here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Day show presented by Ameren here on the Cardinals Radio Network. And I want to remind you that the 2021 Cardinals calendar is here for the holidays. It's 12 months of epic Cardinals moments worth celebrating all year long. And you can find the calendar for yourself at your area grocery stores and retailers, or you can call 314-345-9000 to purchase your copy, or I should say maybe copies, if you're going to include some of those as stocking stuffers for this Christmas. Now, for one person to close out the show here today, one person, we're going to give away the 2021 calendar for free. So the first caller that reaches us at 314-531-1120. 314-531-1120. First caller will pick up their very own 2021 Cardinals official calendar. And of course, we'll have more opportunities for you to win those as we go through the rest of the offseason. Want to thank all of our guests from today. Obviously, uh, the voice of the Cardinals, Mike Shannon, always great to catch up with him during the offseason. Great to hear from John Moselock as well and some good information there on how things are moving or not really moving in Major League Baseball at this point. And also great to have Bob Costas on the show to explore everything that there is to explore in the world of Major League Baseball at this time. So great guest this week. I thank you all for tuning in. And of course, Mike Claiborne and I will have you back next week as well for the third week of the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network.